In the words of a king, there is power. And as we behold him with unveiled faces, we're transformed into the very image of God. Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. K. Idrishesan, brought to you by Kingswood Ministries International. We believe that as you listen, faith is stirred up in you to become all that God has called you to be. So we're going to go into chapter 5, but if you remember, we started from chapter 1. And we did say that the, uh, the book of Galatians actually was one of Paul's books written to a group of churches in that region called, uh, in the minor Asia, of course, of present-day Turkey and, you know, in that region. And basically, it has a very harsh tone unlike other books that Paul had written to churches. And it's like Paul was just not going to waste time to let them know what they have done wrongly, in that these people are those who have come to the knowledge or the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ by the preaching of the gospel of Christ. And not long after they gave their life to Jesus, some people came over and these people are called the Judaizers who came and were preaching legalism to them, which is uh, for you to really be in Christ. There are certain uh, mosaic law that you still have to keep. And one of those ones that they actually emphasized was circumcision, circumcision. that you have to be circumcised. And so Paul, we saw in chapter one, and maybe highlight of some of the things Pastor May and some of those of us who were here last, uh, the, when we did past chapter one, talked about was trying to um, differentiate between what the true gospel is and the kind of gospel they introduced to them, which actually was not another. And for me, it is very important for us to know that the actual, um, the actual ingredient of that chapter one is actually to defend the authenticity of the gospel that was preached to them. And of course, Paul defended his apostleship that, look, this is from God. And then we saw in chapter 2, he went on still defending the same thing. And in chapter 2, particularly telling them that the law is different from faith. And you can't do both. You can't do both. So you have to come to Christ by faith and not through the law. So we saw that in chapter 2. And in chapter 3, of course, where he told them, you have to be foolish to have thought that you started in Christ and then you want to continue in the flesh or in the law. Who has bewitched you to think that will work? And then, of course, we saw chapter 4. We didn't do chapter 4, actually, but chapter 4 basically was Paul now saying, look, the hair, as long as it's a child, it would uh -huh. not be different from the slave, even though he's the Lord of all, until he comes to that point, according to what the father has put in his, you know, um, in his plan for him to mature to that point where he can take responsibility. So he compared the son and the slave. And then, of course, he talked about um, the, the, the old covenant, which is a representation of Agar, and then the new co covenant, which is Isaac. And he said, we believers are sons of promise like Isaac was. And Isaac did not come by human scheming, which was how Ishmael came, Isaac came by promise. I, Abraham didn't have to do anything for him to come. So now we're going to chapter 5. Hallelujah. 
Come on, come on, give me a round of applause. That was, that was, that was, that was, that was good. And you know, you, you know the interesting thing, when you were talking, you talked about the fact that, uh, by the way, good evening, everybody. Good evening. And everybody that is watching at home, good evening, wherever you might be joining from, uh, any parts of the United States or Canada or Europe or Africa, you are welcome. Or maybe you are watching this uh, after, I mean, as a recorded message, you are very much welcome. You know, you said something which is very powerful. You said, there's a ash tone to this particular epistle compared to the other epistles. It was like Paul was provoked. And, you know, and I was thinking about how this generation has a way of timing things judgmental. Now, this is an apostle of grace. This is someone that taught us that there's no condemnation to them in Christ Jesus. And at the same time, he said, oh, you foolish Galatians. Someone in this generation will say, no, 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 I feel judged. <laughs> you know, you know, some people in the name of grace cannot instruct again because they believe for you to preach grace, you have to be soft, you have to be, quote-unquote, gentle in your approach. But here we see Paul saying, you are foolish. And for you to call what is foolish wise is to be foolish. So if you are foolish, then, in fact, before you can be delivered from foolishness, you need to be, you know, you need to be informed that you are really foolish. Because apparently they were not aware that they were walking in foolishness. So I needed to make something, to point something out that, you know, the, the whole emphasis of all these epistles is the New Testament of God's grace. That's the basis of the new covenant. It's about the fact that Jesus did it all. But the mere fact that Jesus did it all does not mean that we cannot instruct. And there, there, there is a way an instruction can come out ash at times. And that does not necessarily make it judgmental. In fact, a strong instruction can still be conducted in the spirit of grace. Because the message was still grace. And yet the instruction was strong. Apparently Paul knew by the spirit that if he was going to be able to help these people, he needed to come strong. And there are times that the teaching and the preaching of God's word comes strong. But not necessarily judgmental. Not necessarily kicking you out of grace. But it's about the communication of something which is key, which is critical, which is crucial, and which is vital. The reason why Paul was so strong in his communication is because this old New Testament, what it means to be a new creation in Christ Jesus, is all centered on this foundation. And if you deviate from it, then you have nothing to build on. In fact, in this particular epistles, you see Paul talking about people being brought under the curse just for deviating from the authenticity of the gospel, which is about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is there anyone that teaches or preaches anything that is different from this, that deviates from this foundation, comes under a curse? And in this particular chapter, chapter 5, that we're going to be looking at, by the way, I didn't know how we've missed chapter 4. I thought we covered it, maybe because I was in mission. I just, okay, but we'll cover it one way or the other. 
Uh, we, we're still going to talk about how, how, how very intentional Paul was where the communication of the authenticity. In fact, if, if there's any way to run to, to sum up the whole book, it's about the authenticity of the gospel, the, the true gospel. And I did a little study earlier on today, and I broke it down. I actually sent a note to every member of the panel. I hope you saw it. Uh, I was just running through, and you know, and I pulled down a few things which I hope will be able to help some of us, a bit all of us. Okay, if you look at Galatians chapter five, from verse one, it says, "Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free." Christ has made us free. So our freedom is not something that we are trying to get, acquire. It's something we already have. So a new creation was delivered free. A new creation is technically a free species. It's free. He said he has made us free. So it's not going to make us free. We were born free. Over 2,000 years ago, in his sacrifice, in his death, we were made free. And the, the moment we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, freedom is part of our heritage. And he went to say, do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. So a new creation came delivered free. So if a new creation will not deviate from his manual, it's free. He was born free. So it's not like he got saved. Now he needs to be freed. He was born free. Can somebody say, I was born free? I was born free. Say after me, say, I am free indeed. I am free indeed. And says you have a responsibility to ensure you don't get entangled in the yoke of bondage because you were born free. Now in verse 2, it says, verse 2 says, Indeed, I Paul say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. In other words, you have no advantage in trying to fulfill, you know, the Judaism you are, you are born with. Because most of them were born into Judaism. He said the loss of Moses is not going to bring any profit. Because you are already completed in Christ. You don't need any supplement. You know, I'm 50 plus now. And one of the realities of being 50 is that you take your supplement seriously. There's other things you can get away with in your 20s and your 50s. You, you take it serious. Uh, but when we're talking about being a new creation, you don't need any supplements outside Christ. The, 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 the diet is complete. Christ as diet is complete. You, we don't need to dip our hands back into the Old Testament and pull certain things that Jesus did not cover. Because Christ is the fulfillment of the law. Yes, sir. Hmm. So, there's no such thing as, okay, you know, the New Testament is perfect, it's great, but, you know, and your but is, let's go back to the Old Testament. Now, don't get me wrong, the Old Testament has its relevance when you see it in the light of Christ. You see the Old Testament as a type and a shadow of the, the of what Jesus represents. So, you can, you know, learn great lessons from the Old Testament but from the perspective of the new. So you can literally take the Old Testament and start walking in it again. 
Because that was the shadow. But Christ now has come. And so you can stay in Christ, walk in Christ, express yourself in Christ, and be okay without needing to supplement. You don't need the supplement of the Old Testament. But in the Old Testament, they said, mm, we don't need it. Christ is a complete curriculum. Christ is the perfect curriculum. Before I bring in, because there's a lot of verses, I just want to run, run through like first, first five verses before I bring the other people in. In, in verse 3, verse 3 of Galatians, he said, I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that is a debtor to keep the whole law. In other words, the moment you begin to travel back to the covenant of the law, what you have done is that you have, bond, you have brought yourself into bondage. It's not just going to stop with the circumcision. You will have to now practice every single thing that you have been delivered from. Which is literally, is coming under a curse. Can you imagine? Christ was cursed so that you'll be free from the curse. And now you now walk into, with both feet. With your eyes open, you walk back into the law of the law covenant. And let me break this down before we continue. What is the major difference between the law and grace? Now, listen, the law is about God telling man what he needs to do to be qualified. While grace is about God supplying in Christ everything man needs to be qualified. And he says, going forward, you only need to receive it by faith because I did it all in my son. So the law puts demand while the covenant of grace brings the supplies. And he says, freely have I given, freely receive. Receive it by faith. Receive it by faith. That, that's the whole basis of the new covenant of grace. And, you know, the, the, whole, the, the whole point is this. God wants to take you away from that place of being pressured. I got to do this. I got to do this to a place of Christ did it. I believe it. Christ did it. I believe it. So it takes the attention of you and you put it on Christ. And how can you have that kind of yoke? You know, no wonder Jesus says that my yoke is easy. Hey. He was talking to people under the law. He said, my yoke is easy. Don't you get it? This could not help you. In fact, the Bible says in Romans, it says, for by the law shall no man be what? Justified. So the law did not free any man. It did not justify any man. The whole point of the law, in fact, is to let man know he's, he's helpless by himself. That he needs a savior. So that he can come to his knees and receive the savior. That's the whole point of the law. The law was not given to be fulfilled by man. Because man knew that Christ we have to come to fulfill the law. Man by himself cannot fulfill it. So Christ came as a seed. To fulfill every requirement of the law. Now that he has fulfilled, he said, going forward, all you need to do is to be in Christ. So for you to want to leave the law all over again is to step outside of Christ. 
Wow, I'm loving this. Fast forward. Let's say verse 4. Verse 4 is so powerful. He said, you have become estranged from Christ. In other words, you kicked yourself out of covenant. You, you pulled yourself away from grace. He said, attempt to be justified by law. What does it mean to be justified by law? You know, in other words, you, you see your qualification. You know, your, your, the reason why God accepts you based on what you are doing. You know, Father, I want to thank you today because you have helped me kept all the laws. I've done well. I've not seen. I've not, I've not, I've not said any, any foul words today. So thank you. You know, really? Uh-uh. you will never do enough to be accepted by God. Your acceptance is based on what Christ did perfectly that you believe. He said you are falling from grace. You know, in fact, do you know that phrase, falling from grace enough, is enough to preach on the rest of the day? You know, religiously, we were taught growing up as Christians that when you fall from grace, it means you are falling into sin. Oh, he has fallen from grace. Look at that preacher. In fact, I think they did some documentaries on Netflix on falling from grace, which means they, they fell into sin. But here, that phrase, falling from grace, is talking about people that are trying to be justified by what they are doing rather by what Christ did. So you are falling from grace means you you moved away from what he finished to what you can never finish. You brought yourself under a curse. Somebody finished it for you and he says, come and enjoy it. And now you are beginning to put the whole spotlight on yourself, trying to do right. No, no, no. That's not the way to do it. In fact, let me say something right before we continue this, this evening. Christianity is built around he did it, I receive it. Rather than I'm doing it. You know, there are a lot of things that we have twisted over the years. You know, it's not, it's the, it's not just the hero of the world that is blessed, but it's the doer. <laughs> as perfect, as great as that scripture is, it's not talking about that doing, you're doing in that sense. Christianity is built around your faith in Christ Jesus, not your doing. It's not your doing. It's your faith in what he did. He did it, I believe it. He did it, I believe it. Before I go further on, Pastor Tyler, what do you have to say to all this? Amen. Uh, Just to reiterate what... um verse 4 says that if you don't get this right, that it's only because of Jesus that you are righteous, the grace of God will not work for you. Yeah. And you don't, you, and it's so interesting that sometimes we approach God, approach people, approach situations with the mindset that it's because I've done enough that I qualify. And as Pastor K says, the, you cannot do enough to qualify. 
It's not that God doesn't want you to do enough. If you have to do everything, you have to do everything. <laughs> you can't just do 50% and say I've qualified. So you have two choices. Either do the whole law or receive Christ. But the problem is you cannot do the whole law. So you only, the only option you have, if you are going to be right, is to receive Christ. You know, even if you try your best doing the whole law, you will miss it somewhere. Mm -hmm. And that's why you have to approach it. And this is what will take away pride. Because when you know that the only reason that I'm right with God is because of what Jesus did. It takes away pride. It takes away, you are so thankful and so grateful. Now, when I run into Christians who are not thankful, it's like, don't you know that everything you have, you received it by grace? I mean, it came by grace. It's because of what Jesus did. Hallelujah. And you receiving it. Now, you still have to receive it, but it's based, you're coming to God based on the mindset that, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross. And, and sometimes, even other things, answered prayers. You know, sometimes people who have been Christians, this is one reason uh, uh, some of these things are as good. You know, sometimes you hear some people say, when I, was, when I first became a Christian, it's like, God always used to hear my prayer, but now God doesn't hear my prayer again. This is one of the reasons. Because you see, when people begin to grow and learn, sometimes they begin to think God hears their prayers based on how good they've been. And grace stops working. Once you begin to have that mindset. But once you begin to have the mindset, it's because of Jesus. And you begin to thank God and appreciate God. Then grace will work. And it's such an important principle. We approach God based on Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean we don't do good things. But that's not why we approach God. We approach him strictly based on what Jesus did on the cross. Hallelujah. Wow. Um. <laughs> We're still, are we still on this verse four? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, let's let, maybe I, I kind of shift into verse five here. It says, For through the spirits we eagerly wait by faith, the righteousness for which we hope. It says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. It says, The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself uh, through love. You know, just Diving into everything that uh, Dr. K has said, Pastor Sukomi, Pastor Taya has said, it's this idea that if you really think about what the law was supposed to do for the nation of Israel back then, it was supposed to serve a, a few purposes. Number one, it was supposed to create um, uh, sort of uh, help them with the rituals by which they would approach God and also have God be part of their own natural experience. That's, that was the idea of what the law was supposed to do for them. And the second thing was that the law was a constant, or fulfilling the rituals of the law was a constant reminder that there was a broken relationship between uh, uh, human society and God, and even amongst humanity themselves, and also uh, the relationship between human beings and the environments that they lived in. So every time they went about these rituals uh, uh, that the law had instructed them to do, it was a reminder, but it was also creating that, call it that safe zone for, for them to interact with God, bring God into their experience and help with men in that relationship, right? So every, even after, after Paul must have explained all of this, that look, all of this ends in Christ Jesus, that, you know, by yourself, you can't fix all of these problems. 
these problems would exist persistently. We would continue to hurt ourselves as human beings. We would continue to, you know, violate our relationship with God. We would continue to desecrate God's space on earth and even the environment overall. And you're constantly reminded of that. So the moment you keep trying to make these sacrifices and keep yourself in that mindset, you're really not helping yourself. Right. So Paul has, has preached to them this idea that Jesus has fulfilled all of that. He's the perfect sacrifice for all of that. And that is the definition of grace. It's, it's the idea that I'm not hosting God's presence by my own actions. I'm not hosting and fixing relationships, you know, by, you know, by my own actions. But somebody has already paid that sacrifice. Somebody has already mended that relationship. And the way we live out this reality, he says, is through the Spirit, right? So the Holy Spirit that we have received is the one who is empowering us through the knowledge and the consciousness of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we can relate with God effectively. So there's, because of this, no condemnation. There's no sense of guilt in how we interact with God. And as a result of that, there's an implication for how we interact with one another as well. It says what really happens is two things, right? We need faith in what it is that Jesus has done, uh, that finished perfect work. And then the next thing that we really need is this consciousness of God's love, right? That by living on those two principles, every single thing that the law was supposed to do for us, right? All of those things that it was supposed to do for us is fixed, once I can fix my eyes on what it is that God has done through Christ Jesus and just love on humanity, right? And that's also an expression of how we uh, ultimately love on God as well. Wow. Wow. So, in our lessons, what really matters is faith in Christ yeah. and the love with which God loves us. Yeah. Everybody, can you lift up your two hands and say, God loves me? God loves me. I believe it. I believe it. And I put my faith, put my faith in, Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. The perfect sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice for, my sins. for my sins. You know, when Pastor Tyler was uh, speaking, there's this phrase that came up in my heart. Our rightness is not primarily a function of our right living. Yeah. I'm right with God, not necessarily because of what I'm doing, but because of what Jesus did. And that's why we say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we wear his righteousness. That's why the Bible talks about the robe of righteousness. It talks about the breastplate of righteousness. So righteousness is what we wear. Is righteousness. We wear it. And we wear it like, and it's like, it's part of my wardrobe. No, because some believers are still struggling to wear that righteousness. Say, I'm not righteous. None is righteous. There is none holy. You know, listen, religion, religion gives you a false sense of humility. When you say, God, you are the only righteous. He was the only right. He started out as being the only righteous. But he said, I made you righteous. So for you to deny what he has given you, Pastor Tayo, you have amazing kids and you buy stuff for them. Can you imagine if you bought a particular wear, maybe it's supposed to be Christmas wear, and I said, Finny, I want you to wear this on Christmas Day. And here comes Christmas Day and we say, Daddy, 
I don't think I deserve it because I didn't buy it. You bought it. You used your money. It was you that went to the mall. It was you that paid the cashier. It was you that drove home with this dress. And how can I now put it on me and say it's my dress? Because you know, the moment she wears it, it becomes what? A dress. And she's like, no, it can't be my dress. It's yours. Because it was your money. It was your sweat. It was your blood. You were the one that traveled. And you gave it to me as a gift. How can it be my dress? Now, if she comes with such argument, how will you feel? Is there something wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said it. <laughs> That's why I gave you. Personally, let me tell you how we feel. I feel like, do you believe my love? Because I did all that because I love you. Now, it's so interesting. You know, religion is a terrible thing. Religion will say God loves us unconditionally. And yet, religion will struggle to accept the gifts that came through unconditional love. And of all the gifts that came through unconditional love of God is the gift of righteousness. In fact, when I'm checking out a believer, the first thing, one of the first things I want to establish is, do you know the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Because I don't care how many principles of prosperity, how many principles of wisdom, how many school of wisdom you have attended. If you don't know that, you don't know anything. And you'll be shocked how many believers still struggle with something as basic as the gift of righteousness. And the moment, please. I'm sorry. You see, this is, and we can look at it and think, oh, we all can fall into this rabbit hole. All of us. That is why that scripture starts to stand fast. Not just stand. Stand firm in it because you have to really always check it. You know, something happened in John chapter 6, which is how Jesus nailed this for us. He fell 5,000. And then they were looking for him. And so Jesus said, you are not seeking me because you saw the sign, because you were fed. That one, for me, is something. What is the sign? What is the miracle? But Jesus is saying that. And then when they started the conversation, they asked Jesus the question. They said, what shall we do that we may walk the work of God? Men would always want to walk. <laughs> Once you tell me to get something and I don't have to do anything, it looks like ah, you don't mean you mean I will not do anything. They tell somebody, give your life, just say I believe, ah, just like that. I'm not going to, they will not want. So, what shall we do that we will walk the walk of God? You know what Jesus told them? He said, The work of God is to believe on Him whom He has sent. You know, it's so, it's so interesting that human nature clings to religion much more than to, to revelation. I was watching a movie recently, and in that movie, it was like an American, I mean, a few American soldiers were in Afghanistan, and they were supposed to be assisting the, the Afghans in fighting the Taliban's. And, you know, the, the, the general, the general, I mean, the, the captain that led the American team was kind of, you know, angry with the, with the Afghan general, because he felt like, I mean, you people, 
You are just slaughtering your people. I mean, how can you be charging at people that are running at you with machine gun, talking about the Taliban's? And you know, do you know the the the, the, the general look at him? He said, "Say you the problem with you Americans is that you are afraid of death, but we've been taught death opens us to new dimensions. So these people are not afraid to die." He said, "Because I actually see it as an opportunity for promotion." And I was thinking, what kind of teaching is this? This is a weird teaching. So that's why we can run at machine gun because we're not. He said, "You, he said, you, you are, you, you, you are the one that is afraid of death. We are not. Now, I, I, I don't subscribe to fear, but that's it's kind of how can somebody teach you such nonsense and you believe it? They go slaughter yourself, tie bombs around yourself." And run into a group of people and shout aloud, Akuba. And a bunch of virgins are waiting for you over there. I mean, come on, how can you believe that? <laughs> and you believe it, and you actually, and people run to die with all excitement, aloud, Akuba. And they kill themselves and a bunch of other people. And you know, human nature embraces such things. Much man, this, this revelation, and that's why this revelation, you need the help of the Holy Spirit to absorb it. Because it's the human nature is, I want to do something. Mm. I mean, I run into a, a moving machine because I believe in my Christianity, is, he has done it already. Just believe it. Why do you have to die like that when somebody already died for you? I said, no, that doesn't feel right. I agree with you. It doesn't feel right with human nature. Religion and human nature, they marry. They are in tune. They are like, okay, it makes sense. But somebody says, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and it has nothing to do with what you do. It has everything to do with Jesus. Like, That's kind of strange. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound right to a natural mind. But to somebody who understands the unconditional love of God by revelation, that's the essence of Christianity. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, in other words, all this, do this, do this, do this, the avails nothing. The only thing that matters is faith in Christ Jesus, in what he did for you, and the love of God for you. Lift up your two hands one more time and say, God loves me, and I believe in the sacrifice of Jesus. Wow, it's liberating. Stand therefore and do not be entangled. Don't let anybody talk you into you got to do this to get this. Christianity is not transactional. Christianity is not transactional. He loves us unconditionally. He just says receive it. That's what Christianity is all about. Does it make sense? It does not make sense. But that's God. And that's why the Bible says God is love. Let me run. Let me run. I hope somebody is enjoying this. Can you put your hands together for this gentleman? Uh, okay. Uh, verse 7. It talks about... Uh, being intentional in protecting 
are revelation of grace based on what Christ did for us. If you read verse 7, it says, You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Who got into your head? Who messed you up? Look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, He said, This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. Hey! Apparently, you know, they came with so much persuasion. And he says, It's not God. Something can sound right and not be right. He's pulling you away from grace. He's pulling you away from your strength. He's pulling away from, he's pulling you away from your blessing. This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. Do you understand the one that calls you? Do you understand that he loves you unconditionally and he did everything for you in Christ Jesus? And Christ is enough. So anything that throws you back into what Christ has already fulfilled is evil. Now in verse 9, look at what it says in verse 9. It says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. You know, the dangerous thing about this whole thing is once, once you start accommodating those little, you know, you know, I still believe I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But, but it doesn't feel right to believe that, you know, it's not my works that we... Now, the first thing is you need to get over yourself. I know you're cute, but you're not that cute. You are not cute enough to get what Jesus gives. So get yourself out of the question. Just zero in on Christ. Once you start accommodating, you know, I mean, you like, oh, what is circumcision? It's not a big deal. Let's still get circumcised. They say, mm -mm. it's a big deal. Because the moment you begin to accommodate that in your mind that you need circumcision to be in Christ Jesus, uh -uh, it messes you up. He said, Throw it out. You don't need to be contaminated. I wrote some things down. He said, you must be intentional in protecting your revelation of God's grace based on what Christ did for us on the cross. Your effectiveness is tied to your revelation of God's grace. So protect it. Protect it. In other words, songs that takes you back to the law, don't sing it. Songs that negate that Jesus finished it all. Don't sing it. Conversations. You know, when this ministry started over 20 years ago, one of the things we were known for is that we were very quick at attacking unbelief. Pastor Tayog, we shared the story with you. I mean, people around me those days, they watch what they say. Of course, till now, you still have to watch. One of my daughters still got a lecture of about 25 minutes just for a sentence she made about three hours ago. Our ship, we were talking and he said, ah, that is too expensive. I can't. Oh my God. I started a lesson on imagination. Stretching your mind. Now listen, God's word is my standard. He said, no, let me show you what the scripture says. Maybe you are raised with that kind of mindset, but it's not scriptural. There's such a thing as living with the mindset of the new covenant. Coming to a point that anything that deviates from Jesus finished it all, something inside of you, even if you're in a powerful anointed service and a prayer point was raised that negates that Jesus has finished it, you start praying in the Holy Ghost. At least when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you pray right. You don't join them and say, oh, it's, 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 
He does not, he does not remove anything. He removes everything from you. Don't pray it. Anything that contradicts what Jesus, that Jesus finished it all, don't be part of it. He finished it all. Protect it. Don't accommodate anything that throws you away from grace. Why? Grace is your strength. Can you see after me? Say, grace is my strength. And I refuse to walk away for my strength. You know, anytime a believer walks away from his strength, the Bible calls it, he has fallen away from what? Grace. To fall away from grace is to make yourself a football or whatever, a soccer ball for the devil to kick around. Because your strength is in grace. The moment you come out of grace and you fall away from grace, you know, when you fall away from grace, you know what you fall into? Condemnation. Trying to please God by what you are doing is a race that will never end well. Let me run. We're supposed to have 15 more minutes and we're not even halfway. But are you getting blessed this evening? Verse 13, it, it talks about he said, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Say after me, say, I have a calling, have a calling to, live to live in freedom. He said, only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. He said, but first of all, establish this. You are free. Before you start explaining your freedom, at least start with you believing you are free. Now, you now have a responsibility to Ensure that that freedom does not lead you to lasciviousness. In other words, a lifestyle of living anyhow. Christ has done it all. For your information, if you are listening to this or watching this from any part of the world, the whole essence of this is not to say, you know, Christ did it all. We can live anyhow. We can. I, I can't even get it. How can somebody who is establishing grace still have the infantry to live anyhow? In fact, that's a, that, 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 that's talking about, you know, we can do anything because, you know, you did it all. Is a proof you don't understand grace. Because grace is true freedom. Because how can you be free and now walk into sin? No. When we do sin, we sleep. That's not us. But when we sleep, we stand up. We don't stay in it. Condemnation will keep you down and make you feel unworthy. But we stand up immediately and say, oh, I'm sorry. I should not have done that. I should not have talked to my wife like that. I should not have talked to my kids like that. I should not have been slothful at work at like that. I should have been nicer to that fellow on the phone. Has that happened to anyone before? That, you know, you know somebody called you and you were just... Not in that mood. Like, why, why, why are you calling this number? And you, you bang the phone. And after you bang the phone, the only, as, as if it has happened to you before, can you wave your hands? If you are not waving your hands, I'm praying for you already because I know you are lying. So, <laughs> this happened to me. And you know, the, the replacement of the law, who happens to be the spirit. Yeah. Now, the mere fact that we are not living by the standard of the laws, does not mean we are just free radicals. I mean, I don't know if you remember the, what you will learn in chemistry class. Free radicals. You remember what free radicals are? They are very dangerous. They can kill you. They, I mean, we are not free radicals. 
we are guided by something stronger than the law. Although he does not condemn us, he convicts us. He leads us. He guides us. He teaches us. He tells you, you should not have talked. Is it, is it just me that I've had that encounter before? You drop the phone and say, you should not have. What about you? You should not have, should not have talked to your wife like that. And then, no, that's not the way to talk to your child. That's his job. So it's not like the law, we walked away from the law and now we are free radicals. We have something stronger. Because the law is actually a type. The real thing has come. Rather than having the laws written on the tablet of stones, we have the spirits that lives within us 24-7. It guides us, it leads us, it teaches us. And that's why it says grow in grace. We grow in grace. You know, it's like taking classes. Somebody taught, I mean, a bunch of teachers taught you elementary, I mean, different things in elementary school, middle school, high school, you went to college, your knowledge increased. You know, it's, it's, it's miserable to see a Christian that is not growing in grace. Because what it means is that you are not exposed to the teaching of the Holy Spirit. You are not given the one that's been placed on your inside of you to help your growth to walk the way she walk. So, not walking according to the laws because we are no longer under the covenant of the law is not, does not mean we are not regulated. That's why Romans chapter 8 verse 40 says, for as many as are led. Oh, is somebody listening to me tonight? We are led. Somebody say, we are led. What we have is even stronger than the law. We are led by the Spirit. We are led in our giving. We are led in our lifestyle. We are led in our conversation. He's the best teacher. We are led by the Spirit. How can we have the best instructor and now fall back into the law? No. We don't need the law because we have the Spirit. <laughs> and you know the amazing thing? If you run down, you will see Paul talking about the fruits of the Spirit. You know the amazing thing is because, you know, the law is about you walking. The Bible talks about the works of the law. Mm. This one is not you walking. It's the fruit. Because you have the spirit in your spirit. You bear fruits. Yes, so, saying we are not under the law, it's not, it's not saying we can live recklessly. No, it's saying we live better. We don't need tablets. We don't need inscriptions on the tablet of stones when we have a living spirit inside of us. Who teaches us? Who helps us to grow in grace so that we can bear fruit? You know, he lists the works of the flesh. Then he lists the fruits. Interesting enough, not fruits. Fruits is one thing. Fruits is one fruit that has different compartments and components. Of the spirit. That is the benefit of being under the grace of God. Yes, being under the grace of God is not a freedom to live anyhow. It's a freedom to enjoy life. And to bear fruit. And by the way, living in condemnation does not make you fruitful. 
Because what condemnation does is that it pulls you away from the spirit that is meant to teach you to be fruitful and it pulls you back. It makes you to fall away from the grace of God. And you can only grow in grace. There's no growth in the law. We grow in grace as we allow the spirit of God to teach us, to lead us, to guide us. We grow in grace. We bear fruit. You know, there are some amazing fruits. Ah. You know, the reason why Paul was so passionate about this is like, this is not the way to grow. This is not the way. It's like I'm for godliness. But what you are doing, this is not the way to bring forth the fruit of godliness. Let me do something. Can we run to verse? I want to kick a religious bucket right now. Verse 24. Let's run to verse 24 because we might not have time to cover it. And this is very key. Hey. How many times have we had messages along the line? You need to crucify your flesh. Crucify your flesh. But look at what the scripture says. He said, and those who are Christ. Anybody in that tribe? If you are Christ, can you wave your hands? Are you Christ? He said, those who are Christ. Someone say, I am Christ. He said, they we crucify the flesh. <laughs> you know, when I was, Pastor Mayo, when I was made, when I was preparing for this teaching, God told me, He said, it's so sad that Christians are taught to crucify the flesh when they should be taught to be aware that the flesh has been crucified. So there is, their lack of revelation that their flesh has been crucified is what is giving life to their flesh. That's like you go on to the scene. He said, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. He didn't say those who have grown in Christ. If you are in Christ, he said you have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. But the problem is this, because of the lack of awareness through revelation that the flesh has been crucified, you keep on firing the flesh. Because you don't see your flesh. Ah, no, in fact, we have flesh and blood. We have flesh and blood. And God says, you are a spirit full of the life of God. You have the life of God. You have the life of God. That's why you can walk in the life of God. He said, if we live in the spirit, then let's walk in the spirit. In other words, he said, let that life of Christ, the Zoe in you, let it find expression. And it can find expression if you allow the teacher to walk. If you allow the teacher to walk. And, that, and how do you allow the teacher to walk? In the place of meditation in the place of prayer, in the place of communion with other saints like this. The engagement of the Holy Spirit causing the life to flow out and you grow and grow. You sleep, you get up. And by the way, when you sleep, it does not mean you are going to hell right there. You know, one of the religious buckets I want to kick tonight is this thing about, it gives an impression that, you know, although you are saved, it's what Christ meets in your hands that really determines if you are saved. That's nonsense. Quote me anywhere. I know all of us, we had it at one time or the other. It's rubbish. It's a religious fallacy. And it has kept so many people in bondage, in fear. It's like you are saved, but you are not really saved. 
Say, ah, somebody, a Christian, he was saying what he was not supposed to be saying, and he died. Ah, where did he go? I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, have you been blessed tonight? Come on, did you learn something tonight? Can you put your hands together for this gentleman? We can go on and on. Wow. Christ has redeemed us from the course of the law. Everybody lift up your two hands, stand up wherever you are and say after me, say Christ, Christ has redeemed me from the course of the law. I refuse to walk back into the law. Say loud and clear. Say Christ has redeemed me from the course of the law. Let me show you something that maybe you have never seen before. You know, we can talk about, oh, the cause of the law is broken into uh, sickness, sin, and poverty. But listen, the law in itself attracts causes. Now, Christ has redeemed you. He pulled you away from the condemnation that the law brings. Yes, sir. And he pulls you under grace. And he covers you with a blanket of grace. And here you are. You are removing the blanket because you want to please the Lord. No. You stay under the blanket and keep on saying, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, I will never walk away from the cross. The cross is everything. Jesus did it all. I believe it. It's my reality. I'm walking the consciousness of it. And you know, the more you say that, you bear fruit. Somebody say, I bear fruit. Say loud and clear, say, I bear fruit. Because that allows the Holy Spirit to walk without the interference of the condemnation of the law. But anything that pulls you away from that sense of rightness with God and makes you realize it's what you do that makes you right, brings you under a cause. Say after me, say, I'm not cursed. I'm accepted in the beloved. How many of you understand the language unconditional love? Come on, talk to me. Is it, is it conditional? Is it unconditional? Then believe it. He loves me unconditionally. I'm his son adopted into the family. Not by works, but by grace. What he did is sufficient for me. Lift up your hands wherever you are. And just begin to thank God. Begin to celebrate God. This is never a license to sin. In fact, it's the pathway to godly living. Can you pray in your, in your prayer language right now? Glorify Jesus. I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm accepted in the beloved. I am the righteousness of God. Hey, I'm no longer caused. Hey, really, really, 
We give you praise. We give you praise. Say after time, say, I am the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. And I grow in grace. And I grow in grace. I'm led by the Spirit. I'm led by the Spirit. I'm not under condemnation. I'm not under condemnation. I have a right standing. I have a right standing. With God. With God. Because of what Jesus did. Because of what Jesus did. What Jesus did. What Jesus did. Is enough for me. Is enough. I believe it. I believe it. I profess it. I Say, I profess it. I possess it's my reality. It's my Can you celebrate God everywhere this evening? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Celebrate God. No more condemnation. I say, shout, no more condemnation. 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 Rekeya. Listen, you know when you established in this revelation, you know, there are certain songs you can't sing again. Sounds like when you come to collect your people, remember me, oh Lord. No. Don't you never say, he can never. I can't hear you say, he can never. He can never. Forget me. Forget me. Ah. Remember me, oh Lord. Remember me. No, he never forgot. Now, in fact, it's a slap on the face of Jesus. God is that forgetful. He has come to collect his people. (laughs) And he picked his people and left you hanging. Ah, No way. No way. He loves me too much. I believe his love. Can you celebrate the love of God? They say, man. Come on, why are you blessed tonight? Why are you blessed tonight? We hope you've been richly blessed by this teaching from Kingswood Ministries International. Feel free to visit our website at kingswood.org for more inspiring teachings by Dr. K. Ijishasong. There you'd also find other helpful materials and further information about this ministry. God bless you richly.